Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hi, Amanda. Hello, Juliette. Getting dangerously close to 2021. How are you feeling? I I feel excited to leave this year behind me and overwhelmed by everything that has happened and is yet to happen. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a frenetic time, but in a way that's very different from the usual frenetic nature of December, usually. I'm a big time checker and big like, calendar mm-hmm. watcher. Like I always know what day it is because I start every day with like a to-do list, a, a, a date. I thought then- you were going to say like a devotional, or, you know, which is like, <laughs> no. n- not to dismiss that at all, but I was just going to be like, I didn't know that about you. No, no. I start my day with a to-do list that has the date. And I like check my, like the time a lot. And I just like right now don't ever know what date it is or what time it is. And I'm just like, I've totally lost my bearings if that's where we are. Um, like I was like, oh, Christmas is next week. What do you know? It's so, it's so weird. And like, we are going to, uh, obviously do a year in review podcast here on jam session coming up. But like, as I've been like gathering my thoughts on the year that was, it's just been so disorienting. I mean, I know this isn't new. Everyone feels this way, but, uh, I just, I don't know, thinking about it in the pop culture scheme is crazy. Also, there's just been like, weirdly, a lot did happen. Yes, we're going to talk about some events on this podcast that you predicted in the beginning of 2021. I'm sorry, 2020. I don't even know what year it is, but you predicted them in the same calendar year, which honestly seems like a lifetime ago. Sure Uh, This is a great segue to (laughs) welcome our new co-workers Megan Harry and, and Megan. Yes. <laughs> Welcome. Okay. Uh, we can't wait to be on the same platform as you, Megan and Harry. They are they have signed a deal with Spotify to um appear and produce appear on produce podcasts. I will say I have as much information as you could get from reading variety wherever you may be. <laughs> I was going to say that I learned this from Juliet sending me the variety link first thing this morning. So I, we learned it just like everybody else, but welcome. And I also just want to say, because Juliet won't brag, but first of all, Megxit quote unquote happened in this calendar year, which I, I don't even know what to say. We'll talk more about that for sure on the year end podcast, but just speaking of time and space and, and wrapping your head around things, that's a lot for me, but on the very day that they uploaded their their new website, right? Remember? Of course. The, yes. The, the media specifications. You Sussex read the Royal. fine print. Com. Right. You read the fine print on the media specifications. And you, Juliet Lettman, on day one said, like, they want to do podcasts. Lo and behold, here they are. 11 months later. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah. I mean, we talked a lot about when that happened, a show recorded in your home on a Sunday, I believe maybe That's it was right. a Saturday. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about how they were going to do something similar. We thought they would follow the Obama playbook and here they are following the mm-hmm. Obama playbook. And yeah, I, I can't wait to see what they do. Can't wait to see th- their trailer was cute. I-, I liked it. It started off, um, with a, like Megan saying she liked his accent, her husband's accent. And that was adorable. So I don't know. Archwell, here we go. It's happening. Yeah. I asked whether we could use Harry saying hit tap follow for our own podcast. If you guys also just want to tap follow, it is like, it's a little surreal that in a year, Harry and Megan have gone from, you know, that they're just being like, please like, and subscribe like the rest of us, which is just life in 2020 and will be life in 2021. We just want you to like, and subscribe or follow and, and, like or whatever and heart 
Uh, everyone is just out here trying to get those hearts, but it was really pretty true. amusing. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Yeah. Um, a couple of the Megan Harry notes while we're on the topic. First of all, I read in Vanity Fair that Will and Harry's relationship has really improved, which honestly, I'm really glad to hear. I This is perhaps really maudlin, but I wouldn't be surprised if like the relitigating of Diana and the shared trauma and pain like brought them back together because I just can't imagine going through that, not talking to your brother. So I'm happy to hear that. I hope it's true. I also hope that it's true. And I remain extremely curious about the fact that Harry and Megan uh, do have a deal to produce uh, for Netflix as well. Uh, and Netflix also produces the crown. Uh, just, uh, I'm, I'm interested. It's also, uh, came out in the last 24 hours that Megan has invested in a instant oat milk latte that, um, came to light because Oprah did like a video on her Instagram about these lattes. And she was like, my friend M gave them to me her. I think she said her neighbor actually. Um, she did say her neighbor. I, and I enjoyed the Montecito shout out. Yeah. Yeah. So, Maggie just, you know, she's doing stuff. I have to say, an instant latte, I understand. Does it have to be oat milk? I just feel like that's a fad. I'm just concerned that will come and go. If it's an instant latte, then can't you use whatever milk you want? Like, it's not, is it coming with the oat milk? I don't, I don't drink lattes. So I don't really understand all of this. I thought, I looked at the Oprah post. I love Oprah's, you know, harvest days and unboxing days. And th- that seemed nice. I, I am interested in the celebrity celebrity. I got this present. So now you should buy it ecosystem, which is not new at all. I mean, it's as old as celebrities being gifted stuff, but I was recently checking in on Jennifer Gardner. Oh yeah. She, she did a lot of it. 
she who did a gift guide, but it was a gift guide only of other famous people's like products. And so it was like Draper James and Honest Company and, you know, a bunch of other recognizable names and products that I had never heard of. And there was some actually came to my attention because I've been closely following Erin Foster's Instagram stories because her nephew Otto is so freaking cute. And she's been posting a lot of auto content. She knows that he's so freaking cute. And um, Jennifer Garner included the favorite daughter sweatshirt, which is um, Aaron Jordan and Sarah Foster's new clothing line. Right. I just, I love Jennifer Garner. And it seems like all of these products aren't new to me. I just was wondering about the effectiveness when you're watching all of the famous people's products in a row, whether you're suddenly like, oh, I should should buy that as well. And, and maybe some people are incentivized to do that. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I just felt like one thing to Erin Foster's credit that she's been doing also on her Instagram, along with the auto content, auto, not auto like cars is, um, she did an indie gift guide, like that she just put on like a square space to, so she's like promoting her own stuff, but also promoting like all these small businesses that, you know, could use your help and also like helping teachers, um, buy stuff on their Amazon wish list for their classrooms and stuff. So I commend her for that. And it is like, it does seem a lot more um, meaningful when you are trying to shill products that you and your friends don't have a interest in or finding a way to balance both. It was just sort of like a weird thing from Jennifer Garner. I feel like I want to give her the benefit of the doubt and be like, she wanted to support her friends. Um, but it was just kind of weird and sort of like not the year for that. I just also was kind of overwhelming the number of products from many of whom from celebrities I like, but I was like, have we just reached the critical? It's like, do I have to buy everybody's product now? I mean, the answer is like always been yes, that this is, we live in capitalism and they just like want to sell you a product. But I was like, this is a lot of like lip glosses and sweatshirts and whatever that I'm supposed to buy now because they have a famous name attached. I don't know. Just putting them all together. It, it made each of them less special somehow. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. It was, um, it was just sort of strange, but Jennifer Garner's Instagram remains strange and mm-hmm. therefore interesting and enjoyable. Anyway, if, if you like oat milk or lattes, I, this seems nice. I, I'm a person who makes and consumes podcasts. So I will probably be listening to more of the podcast than the latte space from Harry and Megan, but they're diversifying. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm happy for them. Um, well, hope to, hope to talk to Megan and Harry at an office party sometime soon. <laughs> I mean, the number of, yeah, an office party, first of all. Can you imagine? Oh, my I God. can't, but yeah. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about these Vogue covers and the amazing Naomi Osaka cover in particular. Yeah, this was just a personal uh, bit of enthusiasm. Vogue released, these are actually the January 2021 covers. So there are four covers. They featured Frances McDormand, Paloma El Cesar, Rosalia, and as you mentioned, Naomi Osaka, personal favorite of mine. She looks great. She really does. They're like amazing pictures. Yeah, they're they're beautiful pictures. And the piece, even though it's for the January 2021 issue, is about her 2020 and both her tennis success and also her activism and... Uh, her personal connection to everything that's happened in 2020 and what she's learned. And it's, as you were saying before we started recording, like it, Naomi Osaka was one of the great stories of this year. And when we do our 
year end podcast, I would like to talk more about her because I just, I admire her. I admire her as a tennis player. I admire her as a racial justice advocate. I admire her as a young person in the spotlight, just kind of figuring things out in real time and turning it to good. We know that's really hard. So I just, I was thrilled and she looked great. She really did. I I found the photo where she's wearing the Emmett Till mask, like to just be Mm -hmm. incredibly impactful. And I mean, for obvious reasons, but in addition to that, she has really masterfully done something that many celebrities, notably Megan and Harry have not done this year, which is sort of hone in on a platform and really stay on message in an incredibly meaningful and deliberate way. And I think one thing I've come to really appreciate this year in particular is like really deliberate messaging. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been really cool to see her just lead a masterclass in how to use her platform. Um, and while, while also being like an amazing athlete, and also I find these photos like incredibly feminine in a really, really moving way as well. Um, and I think sometimes like, you know, it's like the very old conversation about like the personal and the political. And I think that extends to sort of like the political versus feminine and where does feminine femininity and feminism meet. And she's just sort of like nailing all of this and like kind of creating this nexus of all of these different strands that is really amazing. And the photos are just really cool. And it's, um, been quite a, quite a year. It's been awesome to, to watch her. Agree. I I'm just a huge fan. Good stuff. More on her to come. Um, we'd like to do a movie swap of movies we've watched in the last week that the other did not. <laughs> Amanda, could you go first? So I would like to tell you about Wild Mountain Time, which is a movie that was written and directed by John Patrick Shanley, who wrote this screenplay for Moonstruck, one of the great romantic comedies. And he's also a playwright. He wrote Doubt, which, you know, was made into a movie that perhaps you remember has made some other movies. And Wild Mountain Time... Uh, also stars four actors who I really like, Emily Blunt, Jamie Dornan, Christopher Walken, and John Hamm. But you may also be familiar with Wild Mountain Time because the trailer was released a few weeks ago and became like an internet punching bag immediately because it's set in Ireland and the Irish accents, especially from the um, non-Irish people in the cast, are really all (laughs) over the place. It's just, it's not what you want, as they say. And did you watch the trailer? I, I, I did. I just feel like in general, I've been, I've been noticing like accent problems more than I used to. Maybe I'm just like a more astute viewer with less to do in this world, but I just feel like I've like when there are accent problems now, I just really notice them. I agree. I think some of it is also, there are so often forced accents where it's like, you could have just let this person be speak in their own accent. You know, we live in an international connected world. It like it, there are some Americans who live abroad and there are people who grew up elsewhere who live in uh, like throughout America. And America is like, you know, a, a place where people do come from all over the world. So it's okay. Like not everyone just has to be doing a weird Southern accent all yeah. the time <laughs> or whatever. Um, in this case, I do think like the Ireland setting was essential to some of the themes, at least in concept. And so everyone was doing Ireland. Anyway, I asked you to watch this movie and then I watched it. And then I was really glad that I think ultimately you didn't have time to watch the movie um, because it doesn't work. And I'd like to talk to you about it in two parts. Okay, <laughs> please. Um, I, and, and this is going to be a 
full ass spoiler conversation. So if you, for some reason are listening to this and you do want to watch wild mountain time, I want to be very clear. I do not recommend it to you. It's especially now because it's still on VOD. And so it costs, I believe about $20 to rent it. So I I do not recommend that. Um, but if you're going to do it anyway, skip now because I'm spoiling it. Okay. So I think this was also originally based on a play. That sounds right for, for Shanley. And it has a lot of problems in the first 90 minutes of just that the transition from play to movie is not really working in terms of this script. And it feels both like a little contained with people just kind of arguing at each other in rooms with a a setting that is like kind of mismatched. It like, it doesn't really fit. It's not totally brought into the real world. And the accents are absolutely terrible. And it doesn't seem like <laughs> Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan uh, have any chemistry. Can I, just, and, can I just stop you there for a second? Yeah. Yeah. How does this happen to Emily Blunt? And it's funny because I was just thinking about her. I was just like, aside from this movie, I feel like it should have been like very quiet time for, for Blunt and Krasinski Enterprises, especially since Some Good News was short-lived and then sold. And I'm just sort of like, Emily Blunt is one of the more famous people in working in entertainment. Also one of the more, but be- like universally beloved, find me someone who doesn't like Emily Blunt and I'll give you a hundred dollars. And I just like, how does this happen? <laughs> well, I, I do want to say that a quiet place Two was supposed to come out this year. Oh, and a quiet right. place was going to be, it was oh, a right. massive hit. And I think a quiet place Two is going to be a huge hit. And so she is doing that's what they've well. been doing. You're right. Yeah. Okay, that's now what they've been know. doing. And that is a big deal. And this seems like something that she wanted to do like as a, as a lark to fulfill some artistic, you know, creative side of her that is not fulfilled by a quiet place, even though I think she enjoys doing those movies with her husband. Um, so I, sometimes you try things and they don't work out. Okay. And I think this was for the <laughs> don't first, I know that's it. okay. That happens in life. That absolutely happens in, in film. And I think that's a good rom-com tagline. Sometimes you try things and they just don't work out, but this time something was different. And so that's what's happening for the first 90 minutes of this movie is that, so uh, the basic plot is that Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan are kind of, are, they live on adjoining or adjacent farms in Ireland (laughs) and they are both going to inherit the family farms from their parents but Christopher Walken, who is Jamie Dornan's Irish dad, is concerned that about Jamie Dornan inheriting the farm because he is a loner and he thinks that he can't manage the farm without like a family and without a support system. So instead, he might sell the farm to Jamie Dornan's hedge fund American cousin, played by John Hamm. So the obvious solution to all these problems is that if Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan could just acknowledge their very obvious from the getting love for each other, then they could be together, be happy and also co-manage their farms. Um, and anyway, so that's, what's going on. And it's your basic rom-com. Will they get together? Are they going to get together finally? But towards the end, like the fun, there's this final hurdle that's inserted. Yeah. Just based on hearing your description, I feel like, first of all, um, Chris Dowd should have been, Chris O'Dowd should have been in this movie. Like I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of of his wonderful repertoire, particularly Juliet Naked. And I feel like he would have been great in this movie based on having yep. not seen it. But moreover, yep. I feel like this should have been a, a, an elderly rom-com. Make these people 55 or older. Make them 65 or older. I just feel like if you're going for the farm, they should be older. So I think that's a great point. And I think one of the things 
that was definitely missing in the transfer from play to movie. And again, I haven't seen the play and really didn't do that much reading about it. (laughs) But I'm guessing that the Ireland of the play and the connection to the the land land. and to this place and, um, you know, a home and a a country or a a motherland as a sort of... um, Sim, a symbol and emotional connection is like going through the play in a profound way. And the characters are exploring like a lot about what that concept means as well as their connection to themselves. Right. I, th- I think I would have to guess. I wouldn't say that that's transferred super well to the movie. Anyway, the, the final kicker, the twist in the, in the movie is that the hurdle that is inserted 90 minutes in of why Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan can't get together is because Uh-oh. Jamie Dornan has a secret and Emily Blunt is like, what's the secret? What's Save the secret? Kid. And it's like a little screwball. So you don't, I, I don't think you're expecting like, it's, I have a secret kid. Um, she has already asked at some point, like, are you gay? Like what's going on here? They're, what's weird about it is that they're both really, there's like high tone drama, but they are also trying to be like pretty screwball about it. And, and kind of, she really just wants to be with him. And she's like, what's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem? Okay. Do you want to know what the problem is? I sure do. Jamie Dornan's character thinks he's a bee. Oh my God. Like I'm not the kidding. Animal? Like, yeah. Like he's like, he literally, the climactic thing is Jamie Dornan yells. I think I'm a bee. And then they're just like driving and they're just yelling, but you're not a bee. You're a human. And he's like, but I think I'm a bee. And I kept being like, is there something else coming to put the bee thing in context? Juliet, there was not. He just oh like kind of keeps yelling that he's a bee. And then she's like, it's okay. I'm a swan and you're not a bee. And then they wind up together and they sing a song. Literally, I think I'm a bee is the resolution of this movie. Oh my God. That's so weird. <laughs> so I, it, was, it was inexplicable to, again... I have to assume that in the play, something about being a bee was like connected to nature and all sorts of stuff. You know what I mean? And the symbolism just like didn't get communicated, but it just literally Jamie Dornan is like driving in a Range Rover screaming, I'm a bee, I'm a bee. And Emily Blunt's like driving alongside him being like, no, you're not. You're a human for five minutes. Oh my God. (laughs) That just sounds um, unexpected and I would be perplexed. I'm glad I didn't sit through this movie. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. That's super weird. It's really weird. Okay. Well, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch this movie for a number of reasons, including it's like the end of the bachelor season. And already I watched in the last 36 hours, I've watched about um, nine hours of bachelor. Cause I just rewatch stuff when I, when I know I'm not paying good enough attention when like perhaps I'm playing wordscapes on my phone. So mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> I didn't get to it, but what I did watch for some light bedtime viewing recently was the princess switch. Okay. I finally did it. I finally got involved with Vanessa Hudgens Industries on Netflix a few years later. Um, you might be aware of this from listening to Tea Time or just from being a human that's alive, but Vanessa Hudgens has like two different franchises going. I, I think she's sort of on like the um, Star Wars plan of like canon movie, anthology movie, canon movie, anthology movie. I understand that's how they were doing it. And now it's like Princess Switch one year different for Vanessa Hudgens movie another year back to the princess switch. Like there's like a whole cycle and, um, you know, Vanessa Hudgens 
is like an incredible beneficiary of Netflix. I'm just like, what was she up to? She was taking a turn towards musical theater. I don't really feel like she found her niche after high school musical, but now she's just playing her, playing the same looking person over and over and over again. It's kind of like the movie version or like a very like existential view of these movies would lead you to like an MC Escher puzzle where you're just like so many Vanessa Hudgenses. It's very confusing. Um, but also so simple at the same time, the, the like romantic kind of funny Netflix holiday movie is, you know, a a renewable energy source that fuels many people's bank accounts and many people's viewing habits for like a few weeks at a time each, each year. And it was a bizarre foray into like low budget movies that are really fucking popular. It was so weird, Amanda. What are your questions about the princess switch? I'd love to explain to you. Thanks so much, because I have several. So you watched the original Princess Switch. Yes, and the Princess Switch switched again. Okay, so the Princess Switch is that she gets confused with the princess somehow. Basically, it's sort of like a parent trap situation where these two women who look like each other, um, though they are not twins separated at birth, um, like bump into each other. And one wants to, the princess wants to know what it's like to be a commoner. So she switches places with the commoner. And then they fall for each other's like respective mates, but it's not okay. even like mates. It's sort of like intended. Intended, or right? Yeah. Um, are they only switching at Christmas? Um, it was at Christmas that it happened, but they, I, I presume they go to, on to live this, these switched lives, kind of. Okay. One of them, one of the one, the one, the commoner who switches into the princess role stays the princess. She's married as the prince. So she's switched forever, including on Christmas henceforth. Okay. But we, we check in on them at Christmas. We don't check in on them like during summer vacation. That, no, we don't. They don't. This is, this okay. is Christmas core. Got to have the hygge going on. Got to wear some scars. For some reason, it's funny. Like, the fake snow is part and parcel to a lot of this. In fact, I started watching another one of these Netflix Christmas movies and it was set in like Sonoma County area or like Central Valley. It was very unclear in California. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is not the look that I'm going for with my Netflix holiday rom-com. So I, I turned it off and it was okay. called like ho- Christmas in California. But yeah, the Princess Switch looks like it was just filmed on like two sets on one soundstage, basically. <laughs> I'm I'm sure that it was. I mean, when yeah. we were talking about the prom on TV concierge, I was reflecting it out. that this it also felt like it was filmed maybe on four sets. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I don't know. It's it's kind of funny. It's like, I don't know if you you watch a lot more movies than I do, but I just feel like with all of the content that's being pumped out, it's making sound stages like back in vogue, where I feel like for a while shooting on location was like the thing to do. And but yeah. now it's like stay in the studio and just get it churning. Go, 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 go. Yeah, you're 100% right. And that is like really bums me out because you can tell when it's on a set and it just doesn't look as good. It does really cheapen it. It's kind of funny. It's also like an old movie feeling. Everything that's old is new again. Yeah, I don't know whether these really look like there's a difference between like Mank, which is a movie that's I new and that old at either. the same time. I, you know, watch what you want. But I know there's the Mank discourse, but I'm just really busy with TV. I enjoyed Mank. I didn't enjoy the Mank discourse. I didn't enjoy Wild Mountain Time. I do believe it was filmed on location. And I just like it when they film outside because I can't go outside. So the escapism means a lot to me. Um, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's supposed to snow here in New York, like a foot of snow. And I was like, interesting. Will I go outside for that? Or will I just stay inside? Who, who's to say? 
Who can know? I, I don't even know what that means. I also was like, can my car withstand snow? I don't I don't know. It was I just what, what will happen? We'll find out. <laughs> it probably can. But if it's parked on the street, you're going to want to clear out the the tires before it uh, hardens. You know, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll figure it out. Anyway, this has been our, our movie report. Thank you very much, Amanda. I, enjoy, I enjoyed this. Me too. I didn't enjoy the movies necessarily, but I enjoyed this. I kind of did enjoy the princess switch. I mean, it's so okay. bad. This is the thing about Netflix. And I like Netflix is like my primary interest and primary way I spend my time. So I think about it a lot. And this is what it boils down to. There's so much shit on Netflix, but so much great stuff as well. It's very, I feel like we need a tiered system or like a filtering that includes ratings just to like level your expectations properly. So that, you know, okay, this is like a princess switch level, like tossed off rom-com versus this is a, I mean, I think that's available to you if you just investigate, you know, who made it and the plot. Um, but I'm just like, will I even get served Ozark next time the season, new season comes out? Cause of everything I've watched lately, I, I'm just like worried about my algorithm. So <laughs> I believe in you take responsibility for your own algorithm. <laughs> you can do it, but I don't search I don't that know. Ozark OZ and it'll pop right up. You only got to do two, you know, I just like when it's served to me. This episode is brought to you by eBay authenticity guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Let's move on. Last topic of the day. 
usually would be our first topic, but I think we all have got fatigue. Taylor mm-hmm. Swift. She dropped another album. We'll come back to that. But more importantly, <laughs> the home next door to Holiday House, the subject of the last great American dynasty, is for sale. And you could browse the photos online, which is if you like to look at fancy houses, um, check it out. And I just like, I have a plea, which is like Taylor Swift, buy this stupid house. Like, if you don't, I feel like she's gonna have to sell Holiday House because I have a lot more insight and info into Holiday House than I did before as a result of this listing. And I think that she screwed up by not just buying it before it even hit the market. Okay, so let's break this down. You think that... Taylor Swift should buy the house next door to her because of privacy. Of privacy? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I think that she should. It's $12 million, the house next door. It seems like, I don't know. I assume she can afford it. On Jimmy Kimmel last night, she was like joking about her many homes. So I think mm-hmm. she can afford it. Um, and I just think she's already gone to like pretty great lengths to maintain privacy around the house. It has like a pretty big property. There's a seawall. You've seen it in the Daily Mail from when she had those parties back in the day with the squad. Um, And I just think that if the adjacent property is available, like just get it, create a compound. I think I have no knowledge of Taylor Swift's finances right now. I I just, I really don't. I, I, from a privacy perspective, I was taken aback by how much you could see. You could just look at these photos. It's a beautiful home, by the way. Um, if you have $12 million and are looking for a property on the Rhode Island coast, check it out, but great staging in these properties, but you can just see the house from inside this house and it's over a lawn, but you yeah, know, there's it's like no a tree cover. lawn. It's kind of, yeah. sort of funny. Um, it is not the level of privacy that I would have expected for Taylor Swift's home. And I, I think you're right if she can. I mean, it's the only way to get privacy. And I also don't know how you sell the giant home with all of its like upgraded security conventions that she currently owns um, because it seems like very expensive. And I don't know who wants like an exposed home with at that price tag. So I guess you do got to just double down on the investment. I'm curious who buys this. I'm curious how Taylor Swift is as a neighbor. Probably... Not super welcoming. No, I don't think so. I, I think she had um I think she had a fight with the town over putting some more like protection rocks around her seawall, if I recall correctly. Yeah. At the same time, from the roof deck here, which has a is what's it called? A widow's walk in New England. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Does that apply in Rhode Island? I just know that from reading Ellen Hild- Hildebrand books on set on Nantucket. I don't actually have any experience with a widow's walk. Um yeah, you can just see you have a clear, uninterrupted view of the home. This sort of yeah. seems like a security issue. Yeah, I think so, too. If I were her, I'd be like, why don't you just allow me to buy this? But whatever. Anywho, um, did you listen to Evermore? I haven't made it through yet. I'm going to be very honest. It's Christmas music season. I get four weeks a year where I'm allowed to put this stuff on. And I prioritize that. And I just I haven't made space in my listening schedule for it yet. I enjoy the back half of it. There's some songs that I really like. It definitely feels like leftovers. Um, mm-hmm. The most fun song is Nobody, No Crime with Haim. And it's like, reminds me of uh, the Taylor Swift version of Carrie Underwood meets Earl by the Dixie Chicks. And it's fun. It's a fun, it's a fun bop as the kids say. But I just have a lot of Taylor Swift fatigue. I mean, it's a lot of music, which is cool. And I do feel like this is pretty focused on the music. But um, I just feel like I'm good. 
it's like been an unexpected amount of, of Taylor media and like kind of like crafting of her own legend and legacy. And she just like overdoes it. Well, she, I was watching her on Kimmel, which was very charming. It was a good interview. Um, and she admits to like overdoing things. And I was like, yes, that's correct. Um, but it's just, it's like, it's just like a lot. And it just feels like she blots out the sun and I don't know, make room for some other artists. Yeah. It's interesting. Miss Americana was also a 2020 thing. That documentary, oh which right. I know feels like a different year and in retrospect, um, is is pretty interesting in terms of turning around the public narrative about her, at which, you know, she's definitely trying to do in this documentary that she clearly has a lot of say in. I mean, it is it's not a verite documentary, but that was this year. And then she releases a, the most successful album of the year, I believe, uh, that folklore was. And it just in terms of the number of people who listen to it and then kind of just has the space because everyone else seems to have abandoned 2020, which I related. I was going to ask you, what about the Adele album? I meant to text you about this and we'll just do this now in our jam session. I think it probably got moved because of the pandemic. Yeah. I think I think these artists want to tour. I mean, it occurred to me that perhaps Taylor Swift wrote and released two albums to keep up with the financial planning that she had set out for herself, assuming she'd have a stadium tour in 2020. Um, I think there's a lot of cynical reasons to think that Taylor Swift released two albums this year. I think when it was just one, you were like, interesting. Like we all responded to pandemic in different ways. And here's what Taylor Swift did. She got on the phone with Aaron Desner because some people Mm -hmm. on the national her included. But I think when you look at them together, it's a lot harder to be like, wow, this is just purely about music. Like I texted you did is she trying to get out of her record contract is there some other motivation but like this also this album came out at the same time that the re-release of love story plays in ryan reynolds commercial as we discussed and there's just sort of like a lot of taylor activity and also like maybe it's a reaction to um all everything scooter braun's been doing also you know like that was started in 2019 but like kind of within the last year mm-hmm. but yeah i think um I think there's a lot of cynicism as always around this, the, the happenings of Taylor, but you know, I, I do think that artists want to tour. I think that like, as has been discussed the last decade, touring is like the heart of the economy for, for major label artists and even smaller ones too. And so if you can't do that, it probably takes away a lot of the appeal. Yeah. And I suppose if Taylor can, I mean, in the music industry now, there is just a, a quantity of, the more that you can release and the more streams and kind of the more mind share that you have, the better, I think. So if yeah. she's poised to take advantage of that during a weird year and meet some of her financial commitments, as you said, which I think is really astute. I mean, it definitely seems business related. Um, I, I don't, if she wants to release another album and people want to listen to it and makes money off of that, I, to me, I, I don't have like, as much cynicism about that as I do about some of the other imaging stuff. But I, you know, I also just like, haven't listened to it. So I wonder, I wonder how successful it is. I, I wonder if it will match folklore because it's not new. It's not like a surprise in the same way that folklore was. Yeah. And you know, there's like a song called Coney Island on there with the national. And it's just like, this is similar to how I felt about the opening imprimatur of the the Disney Plus doc with like Hudson Valley, but this is like a lot more offensive to me. I'm just like, why are you claiming Coney Island for you and the National? It's really annoying to me. 
Well, I just, some of it is like the short story phase, which I, she's always been kind of a short story memoirist writer. And I think that that's some of her strongest work, like Dear John and All Too Well. I'm a big fan of it. If you think about those, they are contained worlds within a song. I mean, that's a country music tradition in a lot of ways. Um, and I think she's very gifted at that. But she's moved on from kind of memoir to just imagination. And I don't know, some of the imagination works and some of it, I just... We don't, we don't need it. Yeah. When she was talking to Kimmel, she was saying that one of the reasons she's moved towards like less personalized, um, or personal storytelling is to like not give tabloids, um, fodder for people to like guess what she's writing about. And sort of, I think also it's just like, like, you know, you mature. I think it's easier to see things outside of your own prism of experience as you get older and recognize other people's experience. So I'm sure that's part of it too. Taylor, welcome to firmly in your thirties as a 31 year old. Um, But she was also just saying that, like, she doesn't want people to be reading into her personal life with like her with her music as much, which I thought was like a a mature decision. But again, I was just sort of like she just doesn't do anything in a vacuum. Um, It's just interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting to watch her kind of completely reconstruct her public persona, which she has and she hasn't this year. But if you think about 2019 versus 2020. And she was kind of post-reputation, apolitical, persona non grata. And, you know, and that's like a, a reduction that's that's valuing internet comments too much, but just in the sense of where she is in the music industry and just like the actual number of people who are listening to her music, which at the end of the day is what matters. These are way more successful than, say, reputation. Yeah. Yeah. The music is good. I mean, the Heim song is fun. Check that one out. That's my favorite. I also like... the Olive um, Garden one? Yes. I also like Closure. I also like Tis the Season. That gets stuck in my head, Tis the Season. It's not really about Christmas, though. Sorry to okay. tell you. Anyway, it's okay. just more Taylor Swift. I'm, I don't know. It's just like... A, it's just... I need always need like 30% less of this from the Taylor Swift experience, and then I think I could be a lot more positive and less mixed. Yeah, I think maybe just have a little less. Take a little less into your life. The algorithm doesn't control you, Juliet. You control the algorithm. I know, but I just, I got to keep up with hot music. It's my purest passion in this life. Okay. I thought that was YouTube videos, but. Well, uh, it's an extension. Okay. <laughs> they have a piece. We will be back next week as always. Thank you so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.